listeners, welcome back to the podcast. And after somewhat of an extended break, we are back with another episode of Backseat Directors. I'm your host, Andre Hutchins, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing a local film reviewer and cinephile, Deanne Chiazese. Deanne is a writer for the nextbestpicture.com and also a contributor on the Next, Be- ne- Next Best Picture podcast. <laughs> Say that 10 times fast. Uh, Deanne was able to attend the 2018 Sundance Film Festival, and she'll share with us her experience there along with her favorite movies that she was able to see. So uh, thank you again, listeners, for tuning into today's show, and now let's welcome Deanne to the podcast. Well, Deanne, welcome to the Backseat Directors Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to be able to discuss movies with you, to get to know you. It's actually been um, quite a while that we've been trying to connect. Um, You and I, you and I originally connected on Twitter um, just because I think just because we're both local to Utah. So that was something we had in common, right? Yeah, I was trying to find some other crazy, weird cinephile who likes uh, (laughs) film Twitter, like me. Yeah, film film Twitter is quite it's it's quite the zoo. It, it really it's a fun place, but it's a dangerous place too. Yeah, you gotta be careful. I've learned. Yeah, so and I was I was familiar with uh, the um, um, next best picture um, mm-hmm. podcast, and and so and then I, I saw that you began associated with them um, sometime last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around the fall. You know, it actually, it's all kind of serendipitous how it all worked out. You know, this was something that I kind of decided to pursue um, as a side passion because I just needed a hobby in my life and I watched a lot of film. I was a huge film fan. I was going to the festival every year. So I kind of tried to do my own podcast at the beginning of last year and kind of ran out of steam. As you know, it takes a lot of energy yes, and it does. consistency and it, it, it really does. And you know, and, if, and, and sometimes you don't always know if it's going anywhere <laughs> or what's happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, anyway, I um, just started to engage on film Twitter more and um, ended up guesting on Next Best Picture, and it just proved to be um, a really nice fit, and they asked me to join. And so I got to really um, be a part of that through the whole awards season, which, although I've always followed the awards season, I have never followed it to the level that I did this year. You know, just in terms <laughs> of, like, you're predicting nominations before you even see movies. You know? Right, and so it's, right. It's a very different world um, in that way, but I loved it. I had a great time, and I happened, just so happened that I did pick the Best Picture winner correctly. So really? I was you picked The Shape yeah. of Water? I sure did. <laughs> It was actually, I was pretty surprised. I really was. I, what, I, I get out? No, 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 no. I, I thought oh. it was going to be three billboards. I really yeah. did. Just because I, I, I think, I, I think 99% of people out there that are at least follow movies closely, they knew that Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell were going to win. Yeah, for... the, that was weird with the way the acting categories were so predetermined this year. Well, it's yeah. just, I, I just think, I just think out of those who were nominated, and, you know, the films that I saw, I just and especially, yeah, I mean, because they had won the Golden Globes as well. And I think that's, a, you know, a, a good indicator or precursor to, yeah. you know, what to expect in the Oscars. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the thing about Three Billboards, it's interesting um, that really is the reason that swayed me away from it. It was because of the preferential ballot. You know, it's one thing I thought. 
you know, if you're looking at a plural ballot where it just has to get a certain amount of number one votes to win, uh, that's different than it needing to perform well in people's one, two, and three spot on their ballot. And uh, the movie was so divisive. You know, there was people who loved it, but there is a large following who despise it. And so because of that, I I saw, I I kind of envisioned it showing up at the bottom of a a good portion of people's rankings. It would either be a love or hate thing. Whereas I felt like Shape of Water and Get Out would both be one that maybe wasn't always people's number one, but would perform well as, you know, or two or three and could kind of push its way up in the preferential ballot system. So that was, and then it also happened to be my favorite movie of the year. (laughs) Out of 150 movies I saw, and I decided that I'm officially old, that I agree with the Academy on the best picture of the year. (laughs) Wow, wow, Deanne, 150, huh? Yes, I did. You know, I so last last year was really when uh, I debuted this podcast and, and really, uh, not not that I you know had not taken interest in film before, but really just spent a lot of time in the theater and yes. on the podcast. And I saw probably sixty five films last year, and that was a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot. I'm crazy. I'm actually certifiably crazy it's good thing that we're doing this over skype okay well let's well let's get to know let's get to know a little bit more of that craziness and kind of how how that craziness began um just because you know you said you said you were looking to take up a new hobby you know in your life and you know spend your time i guess dedicated to something that you had a passion in so tell me tell me when your you know your real fandom of film began and or how that began maybe Yeah, I mean, it definitely goes back. My parents were always big with movies. We went to the movie theater all the time. So it starts then. I always have loved movies. I um, I certainly have had times in my life where I've been more invested than others just because of life circumstances. Um, but then I happened to marry a man who shares my passion. And so I would say over the last five to six years, what, you know, once we started doing the Sundance Film Festival together, and then also just in our personal lives, seeing a lot of films, uh, it got to the point where I was seeing so many that I was like, I need to do something with this. <laughs> like, there's a point you kind of cross this point where when you see enough movies, you start feeling like you have something to offer people. Because if you see that many, you can help them not see the ones they don't need to see. <laughs> 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 so that's what kind of started it. And I, so last January, I recorded, you know, my top 10 for the prior year. I had seen about, uh, probably about 125, I think. Wow, that's amazing. So I, yeah. And, but, but it does help when, you know, your partner, like he, he drives all of it. I mean, he doesn't want to talk about movies. He certainly would never want to podcast about movies, but he loves going and yeah. he always plans it. And I just show up and, and, and then we watch a lot at home and we're just really up to speed on obviously the new releases coming out here too. So just because I say, I saw that many, those weren't all in the theater. I mean, those are things that drop, you know, that were new to Netflix and it's not all theater watching, but yeah. we do typically go to the theater on average twice a week yeah no i mean i was gonna say to see that many movies i mean it's Mm -hmm. you know there's only 356 days in the year so that's right (laughs) yeah on the weekends we see at least two in the theater and probably two at home and so then that there you go yeah that's great and so uh, so how long did your podcast last Oh, it was so silly. Like, I, no one listened but my family and friends, and it was like five episodes. <laughs> okay, well, oh, well, is it still accessible? No, we're not okay. talking about it. <laughs> 
I mean, it's out there. I guess if somebody really wanted to go to the deep archives, they could find it. But no. <laughs> Let's is focus it, on here now. Okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. So, so did um when I guess next best picture, which is a, a podcast, I'll, I'll give you time at the end, to, you know, to yeah. give your plug on uh, how people can reach out to you and follow you and listen to your guys's podcast right. and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, were you what what were you doing at the time when I guess you became associated with them? Were you still doing the podcast or were you writing or what were you doing? So I had started playing around with writing. This was in the summer. Um, in fact, the movie that inspired me was Lowercase Mother! Exclamation point. Because it was such an interesting movie. Yeah, <laughs> the I, Jennifer Lawrence know, after, movie, yeah. Yeah, and after I saw it, I and I had my first take and I wrote something and just kind of for me. And then I wrote a second thing because the more I thought about it and process it, I had a whole different feeling. And so I decided to, because I had started a website very roughly, I just put, like, I decided to put it out. I started kind of just pinging people, you know, on Twitter who were talking about mother and that's, <laughs> uh, which a lot of people were. And, um, and that's how I kind of got lined up actually with, so Matt Neglia is the next best picture, um, kind of editor and he runs that show and we got involved in some crazy mother discussion. And then before you know it, he invited me on and I, I said, sure, but I, I certainly didn't expect it to turn into what it has. It's been very exciting. I felt very lucky. Well, that's great. And now I know, I know Matt made the trip out to Utah. So is that the first time you got to meet him? was the first time we met yes oh, very good <laughs> was, very good yeah and i think i i think he liked it here i don't know he what he seemed to be enchanted by the mountains um <laughs> you know i think all of us that live here take that for granted a little bit probably you know and it is kind of fun to see somebody just be like overwhelmed by it because you kind of forget um i think are you from here originally no so I, I i grew up in reno nevada so i i, okay. I did grow up with mountains uh you know I, yeah we, uh, you know, th- a 30 minute drive from Tahoe. So, you know, we were right in the Sierras. Um, yeah, but the, the Wasatch Front is different, though. The Wasatch Front is it, it's a very majestic type mountain range. And the Sierras, the Sierras are vast and they're in and, and they range for miles and miles, you know, right. but but the Wasatch are they're just I don't know. I don't know any other way to describe it other than majestic. They're beautiful. I, yeah. I, I mean, they, they and I think I think just because of how close. Salt Lake County, Utah County, and you know all the other right. small the towns. Right, the city is so close. It's right on the mountainside, yeah. and so I think mm-hmm. I think that's something really unique about Utah. And I think that's yeah something that definitely makes this place stand out. But um, no, I, I ended up going to school here and met mm-hmm. my wife here, and so I've settled down here for for now. <laughs> oh, excellent! Yeah. yeah, well, it's not a bad place. No, it's not so no. bad, people out there. <laughs> no, no, I I actually I I love Utah. Um, I after school I moved away, and then I ended up coming back. And I, I tell everyone ever since I've come back, um, it's it's felt like home. So I, I never yeah. I never thought I would end up living here after school, um, but I did, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's it's Utah's a great place. I, I think I think it's a highly underrated place, but don't tell anybody. It's growing too fast as it is. I know it really is right now. It's picking <laughs> up steam, and it's getting a lot. There's just a lot more going on. I actually, I live in the Sugar House area, which no one will know what we're talking about. I know, but um, but it's kind of this up and coming area. There's been a ton it's of a new growth area. and restaurants. Yeah, it's a great and, area. Um, living in an apartment, which is kind of a challenge because I've been in a house before, but I love walking everywhere. And this neighborhood has everything, including the movie theater that I walk to every time I see a movie. Is so. that is that the the Cinemark with the couches yes. and everything? <laughs> That's right, with the loungers. <laughs> 
You have to schedule ahead, though. It fills up. You have to. That's why it's good that I have my husband. He plans ahead and buys us tickets. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, my, yeah, my wife and I, we live down in Provo. And so, uh, oh, nice. um, yeah, we have the the closest theater to us is the it's the University Mall Cinemark. It's literally like a two minute drive from our house. And then we have the Geneva Megaplex. So it's uh, I think outside. I think Megaplex um, built their newest one in Cottonwood, and it's like an all luxury theater, yeah, luxury right. seating. But Geneva was their newest before then, and so and uh, is it? It's the recliners and everything. It's got. It has some of. Not all of them are, but you know they do have luxury seating offered in some of them. Um, but it has an IMAX theater, so that's. That's, That's nice. That okay, like. so does your wife share your love of film, or is this your thing? So it it is my thing. I, she, uh-huh. I I have I've definitely increased her interest in movies, and we definitely watch you know a good share of our, our of movies. And uh, um, but she the one thing that she will not get into are really the blockbuster films. So like any of the Marvel or DC movies, you know, just, yeah. You know, like we went and saw, I I got her last year to go see guardians of the galaxy, Kong school Island and Spider-Man. And like, that was like enough blockbusters for That's her pretty good for but the what year, about so. black panther have you no, seen it yet? i oh i have i have but she oh, she, she, she oh. didn't yeah she didn't care to see it so she so. she loves she loves the uh, you know just kind of the smaller budget films like we yeah. went and saw lady bird she really enjoyed that oh yeah um, everyone did yeah yeah <laughs> no so you know she, you people <laughs> she she likes she likes movies that aren't so geeky <laughs> yeah that makes sense okay <laughs> yeah so um but yeah no um um okay so deanne um mm-hmm. i've got a set of questions that i okay. ask every new guest um that comes onto the backseat directors podcast and this is just just a way for the listeners to even get to know you even more what kind of cinephile you are and okay. and and really it's one of the things that i like the most is just kind of sh- it, it creates kind of like a um a, a way that we share and relate to each other when it comes to movies. So are you ready for our get to know ready. you questions? Let's do it. Okay. Very good. Now it's time for some get to know you questions. Question number one, Deanne, what yes. is your desert Island movie? Okay. So it's not necessarily my favorite movie. It's the movie I could watch over and over and over again to bring me comfort. Okay. So that would be probably bridesmaids. <laughs> like that is the movie well particularly the plane scene in that film where um Kristen Wiig is I mean she's so funny and like loses her mind and gets messed up and is saying things on the PA system that entire scene is one of the funniest I think scenes in in all comedies and if I'm going to be on a desert island I want a comedy nice. so Very I good. would pick I would pick Bridesmaids Very good Okay question number 2 mm-hmm. what is your favorite movie theater snack um i'm definitely of the savory kind so i would go popcorn okay but, I know I, but as much as i go i can't have popcorn every time i mean <laughs> i so a lot of times i just uh, bring in my own like water or whatever and i try to maybe have popcorn one in every four times <laughs> that's fair yeah. enough i mean otherwise i'd be in trouble yeah and i i assume you have movie pass but uh yeah when when you're going to the movies and you get concessions it can, can be a, a pretty pricey visit um, absolutely okay yes. but i i do have to tell you this though so the okay. the unofficial rule for this question is mm-hmm. and i will accept popcorn i will 
Okay. Um, but my wife, my wife told me that I can't let my li- my my guests off that easy. That they have okay. to say something other than popcorn because everybody would say popcorn anyway. Okay. So if I wasn't getting popcorn, I would probably get. I I, th- I would say like licorice, like red vines or Twizzlers. Nice. Very good. Very good. Yeah. That's a great one. Is that better? Would she approve? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Oh, and and definitely, my wife would approve just because. Okay, good. She she is a huge fan of red vines and licorice. So, Excellent. um, okay. Question number three: What was the first movie that made you cry? If you can't mm-hmm. remember, then then uh, what was the last movie that made you cry? I can answer both of those. Sweet, let's um, hear it. So the first movie that I remember crying, um, at, like, and I was probably, I would say seven or eight and I'll never forget. It was like me and my friend, um, we were having a sleepover and my mom, and it probably helps me remember because my mom tells the story too. You know how that goes, but right. <laughs> she came in to like the two of us just sobbing, like <laughs> could not handle it. And it was E.T. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh. that would probably, I mean, that's my first memory of crying. I mean, who didn't cry at that, but that's my first memory. Um, and then I would say that the most recent one, and this is going to sound super cheesy, but I'm just going to say it was the shape of water. I mean, I, I walked into that movie and the music started and the beauty of the production design and the world building. And I just, I was like waterworks before the story was even told. I don't know what it was. There was just something about that experience for me that hit. No, that's great. That's great. Okay. No, but I got to ask you though about ET though. Yeah. You got to tell me which scene. I mean, I I think I know it's probably. Oh, it was definitely the, when Elliot's yelling for him um, and like, don't hurt him. You know, when, yeah. when the, when all the guys, you know, the man has him constrained and all of that, it was that tension for is, sure. Is E.T. Spielberg's best movie? Mm, God, that's tough. I mean, it's in the top five, but I don't think I'd say it's the best, but now I can't even off the top of my head tell you what I would say is the best. What I do you know. think is the I, best? I, I'm not sure. It's it's in my top three, though. It, it definitely oh, yeah. is in my top Yeah, I mean, it's three. up there. I don't know that I can say definitively that I would call it my favorite. Um, I, yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's iconic. It's definitely Indiana iconic. Jones, you've right. got, I mean, I even, the first I Jurassic know. Park is mind blowing. I know. Jaws. <laughs> well, then there's Jaws. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's in my five It because I just named three that would be ahead of it. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. That's fair enough. Okay. Question number four. Do you have a favorite uh, film director and or actor? Yeah. Probably the director that interests me the most right now um, would be Fincher. Um, if I was ha- like, if I had to say another Desert Island movie, I would probably say The Social Network because I just <laughs> love yeah, that. Anytime yeah. it's on, I just I'm du- like it, that's it. Just consider me gone for two hours because <laughs> there's something about the mood that it creates and the music and the acting and this, I mean, Fincher just has a unique way. Um, and I loved gone girl, same thing. Mm-hmm. I would have the same sort of effect on me. So I'm very interested on, you know, in knowing what his projects are and what's coming up next, I would say. What about an actor? No favorite actor. Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, I just, it's so funny. It's like you think about that differently the more you watch, you know, because um, I I will definitely say I'm a sucker for Tom Hardy. Like I am waiting. I know he's been picking some interesting roles recently, yeah. um, but I, I'm kind of waiting for him to do this just this thing that is going to drop everybody's jaw. Um, I don't know if you saw there was that smaller film called Lock. 
that came out and it was Tom Hardy in a car with a camera on his face for the whole 90 minute runtime. Oh my gosh. And he's just having a conversation on speakerphone and it's brilliant. So I, you know, and it kind of got a little bit underrated because it was such a small film. So I would say he's one that I, I just am kind of waiting for him to have a, I mean, he's had his moments, but I'm ready for like that big moment. That is fascinating. I have not heard of that movie. I got to go see that. Yeah. That's incredible. L- L-O-C-K-E. Do oh it. Oh my it's gosh. Great. No, that is. I Do you have, like I, small films like that? I mean, there's not a lot that happens. I mean, it's very. Oh well, no. I mean, if, if, if that's all it is, just a, a camera on him while he's in yeah. the car for 90 minutes. That's incredible. Okay. Yeah. And the story just unveils through these conversations he's having on his phone. Yeah. I think, I think he's a highly underrated actor and probably just because he hasn't had too many leading roles. Right. And yeah. and I, I don't know why. I, I honestly don't know why he hasn't had too many leading roles. But I, I think what sold me uh, for him um, in, in my appreciation of what he does, it was in Warrior. I, oh, I, yeah, that's where it started for me. I agree. That's where the love affair began. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, he's just, he doesn't need a lot to say in a movie, you know. I mean, and especially yeah. like in Dunkirk, I, I, he had a mask on the entire time. I loved him in Dunkirk, but uh, he, I don't know. He's just one of those actors that... It's a presence thing, huh? Yes, yeah. yes, Even 100%. if you just know he's there, it's almost comforting. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a great way to describe it. No, that's great. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, we'll see We'll see uh, what he's like in the new Venom movie. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's good. I really am. I, oh, me too. And look, I don't have that bias. I, I mean, I sometimes get a little squirrely about it, but... At the end of the day, I mean, this is what people are going to see. And, you know, I love what Black Panther did just in terms of sort of moving the genre forward. And if there's things that are going to move it forward, I, I'm all in, you know. And if, yeah. But um, and I, I hope it's good. But then, you know, there's that little piece of me that goes, oh, because, you know, we get some bombs in right. the in some of that uh, that universe. So I hope right. that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, last... What's your favorite Marvel? I want to ask you now if you're if you're oh. really are you Marvel DC? Yeah. So I, I I I so growing up as as a kid, I was all about Superman and Batman. Like I, you know, like the Superman pajamas and underwear with like the cape the cape that like attaches like attaches via Velcro like on the yeah, back. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I was obsessed with Superman and Batman as a kid. Um, and so, yeah, like my love affair with com- – well, I, I, I can't say comics because I was never really into comics. I was into movies and cartoons, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it was definitely DC. But uh, as you know, as an adult, I appreciate both. I, I, I enjoy both sides. I, I, I guess I don't take a side like a lot of those fanatics do. Um, <laughs> were you yeah, going to ask what my film? favorite Marvel film was? Is that well, – Or just superhero. I even like that better if you don't pick a side. How about yeah. just your favorite superhero? Film. Oh man. Um well I will give you both. So for Marvel mm-hmm. it's actually Doctor Strange. Oh um, wow. Yeah, okay. no, I, I think I surprised a lot of people with that one. Um yeah. the the main reason is is just because of the the story and the the depth of the story that is given to explain the world of Doctor Strange. It's it's very inception matrix like um maybe not to the depth obviously of inception or matrix but there's a lot of philosophy um and a lot of spiritual aspects of Doctor Strange that I really really enjoyed hmm. so I, and I know a lot of people a lot of people would not even rank that Marvel film in like their top 10 for Marvel movies so but it's my favorite it's 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 definitely my favorite um I, and gosh for DC movies I, I don't think anybody can can go away from the Dark Knight yeah I, I think 
just, Absolutely. yeah, just even he, as much as I love Wonder Woman, it's not taking down the Dark Knight. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I I you know, that was one of the few movies I actually saw multiple times in theaters last year. But uh, I I think I think Heath Ledger and just everything involving Heath Ledger and what happened, I think mm-hmm. because of him, that movie is cemented in film history forever. I, I, right. Yeah, it, it's really hard to argue against the Dark Knight. In my it opinion. is, and you know, and and that's the thing. I think like sometimes I hate for people to think that it is because of what happened that the film is good because that's not true. What it is is the combination. It's the fact that every time you watch it, it's so amazing to watch him do that, and then in the context of what happened, it adds this level. But it's not just because that happened. It is because that performance is amazing. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Yeah, absolutely. Now it, it it really is it's and it's one of i i, I mean it's, it's so rewatchable i i i'm <laughs> i'm so amazed at how rewatchable those nolan batman movies are so all of i even yeah. like the third one i don't care what anybody says yeah, it wasn't no, that it's bad. good it's good i, I and I, yeah I'm, I'm actually a big sucker for the first one too i, I thought mm-hmm. the first one is is just incredible it really is so okay well i gotta ask you then okay. what's what's your favorite super is wonder woman your favorite dc um, movie no, it would be Dark Well, would you consider Dark Knight? I guess, yeah. 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 yeah I mean, yeah. since the new, like, since the kind not, of new wave. Yeah, not not the, the, the cinematic universe of DC, no. Yeah, but. I would say that, yeah, then it would definitely be Dark Knight. Absolutely. And then, and I love Batman Begins, too. And in fact, I remember that because I was always a Batman fan. There was that Batman Beyond cartoon. And then my brother, I had older brothers, and that always influences you. And he was (laughs) so into that original Tim Burton Batman that I've always... So when I saw Batman Begins, I went in not really knowing what to expect. expect, And I remember being, like, incredibly pleasantly surprised, you know, with, like, what a different turn it was. Right. Um, And I won't forget that. Like, that was, like, a really impactful moment. Um, As far as Marvel, you know what's funny? It's like you would think I would know off the top of my head, but kind of changes <laughs> um i really loved black panther it's not my number one but i had a, such a pleasure with that film um but i would say number one is probably the first guardians of the galaxy oh nice very good yeah no i i, I think that's a great answer it's it's in my top three that movie is phenomenal oh and it has rewatchability too and that soundtrack and it's fun and it's funny and it's it's great and I, I actually liked last year's too. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I for me, I, I think I think my expectations were really high, um, mm-hmm. and and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I thought it was a good film. Um, my my only critique was that I felt like it was just it was just more of number one. But like right. if if I want more of number one, I'll just watch number one. That was kind yeah, of the way that I thought. Yeah, that's fair. We're hoping it, but... for it to move the story forward a little yeah. more. Yeah, no, yeah. but I oh, oh my gosh, Guardians of the Galaxy number one is oh. it. It's a fantastic film. So great. <laughs> I mean, from the sec- I think it's like a Tom Watts song that like opens it up over like the Marvel credits and like when he's a little kid. I think it's Tom Watts. I can't remember. And then and then you have that. Anyway, it's so good. Uh, I, I'm with you, and um, that's like one I would say too. It would be on my desert island list. It no, wouldn't that's be great. No, I on- think I think that's very fair. I mean, because yeah, just the way that they integrated the soundtrack, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think really enhanced that film in ways that you know is severely lacking in other Marvel movies. Yeah. So. <laughs> sure. Okay. Okay. So this is the last question, Deanne. Are you okay. ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. 
If you could change the ending of any one movie, which movie would it be and how would you change it? So, and I, I need to clarify something because this actually came up on the last podcast that I did. So this is not necessarily to make the movie better, but there are plenty of movies out there in my experience where I've seen, I just, I wish the ending was different, you know, okay. just for my own personal preference or personal taste. So which movie would it be? How would you change <laughs> it? And if there are spoilers, just let the listeners know. Um, okay. So there will be spoilers, but this is about 16 years old. So we should be okay. If you, if you're not going to make it to see this film, you probably never were. <laughs> and this will be probably a divisive choice because it is a movie that people love or hate. Um, I happened to be on the side of someone. I was 21 years old when I saw it. It inspired me to go to France. I, I just love the movie Moulin Rouge. I also love musicals in general, and but that movie, there was something so visually, I, I love, just like I was talking about Shape of Water, anyone can tell now, I'm really into the visual experience of the film, and then you add, if you add music to that, I'm done, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, so Moulin Rouge, that's what it is, it's a spectacle, you know, um, but um, I was so, I just, there was something about the point I was at in my life, I was so invested in those characters, I just, I just need her to live and not die, that's it. <laughs> Which is usually how it goes. Yeah. yeah I mean, know. just can she not die? Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I. Oh. So where do you fall? Have you seen that movie? I have. I have. It's it's been and a while. It? It's been a while. No, 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 no. I I I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm trying to remember my emotions in that movie and when you know, obviously when the uh, you find out what happens, but uh, um, yeah. no, I, I I totally get it. I totally get it because they're. <laughs> There, yeah, there are just some movies that I, I you know, in, in movies like that, though, they're they're meant to make you feel, you know, they're meant to right. make you like, look, this is not necessarily a Disney, you know, happy ever after. Like, we're going to make you feel something. But uh, but sometimes we just don't want to feel that way. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just I need that one to be happy, happily ever after. That one was cool, too, though, because they were utilizing existing songs and kind of reinventing them. Like, so there's like a Roxanne cover. Right. That's right. Done. Like, yeah. It's a musical. You know, I was into all of that. So I was invested in the film. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I, and I'm actually surprised that Ewan McGregor has not done any more musicals. I, I'm pretty sure he hasn't done any any since that one. No, no. In fact, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Okay. Uh, Deanne, that, those are my get to know you questions. Excellent. Okay. Excellent answers. Well done. Thanks. Thank so you. So now that our listeners uh, have got to know you even more. Um, let's go ahead and uh, introduce today's topic, and that is uh, the 2018 Sundance Film Festival recap. Hang on to your seats. Okay, everyone, I'm just going to take a moment just to give a little bit of historical background to, uh, to the film festival um, before we get into uh, Deanne's recap of this year's Sundance Film Festival. So the Sundance Film Festival is the largest independent film festival in the United States. It's held annually every January here in Utah. Uh, with venues showing films in Park City, Salt Lake City, and the Sundance Mountain Resort. Uh, the film festival was founded by Sterling, uh, Sterling Van Wagnen. Um, the Sundance Film Festival officially began in August of 1978 in Salt Lake City, um, but under the name of the Utah U.S. Film Festival. Uh, the, first, the first festival showcased such movies as Deliverance, A Streetcar Named Desire, and Midnight Cowboy. Uh, and uh, actor Robert Redford was the inaugural chairman, which helped to propel the festival to more recognition and growth. Later in 1981, the fe festival moved to Park City, 
and changed the date to January and also had its name changed to the U.S. Film and Video Festival. It wasn't until 1991 that the festival was officially renamed the, uh, to the Sundance Film Festival after Robert Redford's character, the Sundance Kid. Um, and some notable directors who have had their breakthrough at the Sundance Film Festival are Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, Steven Soderbergh, and Darren Aronofsky. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and uh, get back to the 2018 Sundance Film Festival recap with Deanne. Hey, so Deanne, since you were unofficially, um, I'm just going to say you were the Backseat Director's unofficial correspondent for Sundance, because <laughs> I I was not I was not in town for the film festival. I was my wife and I actually took a trip and we were gone for like 11 days. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, so I wasn't here, and so so we, have you been before? I have not. I have not. Okay. And, okay. Uh, um, no judgment. That's no, right. No, Get you no, there no. next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's kind of strange just because, I mean, I've, you know, all the years that I've lived in Utah, I've lived in Utah for oh, probably a total of eight years. Um, and yeah, I've never gone. And so um, I'm definitely lacking in that category. But that is why I have you on the podcast. <laughs> so, well, yes, I, I think it's good timing. And actually, even though it's been a couple of months since it happened, that's what's really interesting about the Sundance Film Festival. It is, you have all of these things like South by Southwest does get some premieres, but as you move into all the festivals later in the year, a lot of those films have already been screened and really, really carefully selected for those festivals. Right. The Sundance Film Festival is kind of, it's, it, I hate to use this word, but it really is, it's a, much more of a crapshoot. You know, you really don't know. You can see some bad movies because it's, you know, people trying to get distribution. Obviously, it's the first festival of the year. But I also find, too, I, I really try not to talk a lot about it to people who didn't go because I just like me, I don't want to sit and listen to people talk about movies I can't see or that I can't see for 10 months. You know, <laughs> I, there's something kind of like just that's like the that it's almost a frustrating feeling. So, I mean, I so I hope what I can just provide today is kind of some overall summary of what came out of it and a few things to expect that I think should be coming down the pike. Um, but as far as extensive coverage, um, you know, yeah, like I said, unless you're kind of there seeing the films, you know, you're just, you're kind of waiting to see what's really going to happen. And, you know, um, I think, you know, especially too, usually every year, the last few years, there's been maybe three to five that really come out strong. And so you can kind of let other people do Sundance and then you can see the ones that really have an impact. But that said, it is also really fun to be a part of it. And it's fun to be the first, like one of the first people to see a film, you know, and be able to kind of think about it on your own merits and try to review it from your own point of view with no outside influence, you know, and be one of the first people to kind of put your stamp on it. There is something really cool about that. So how many, how many film festivals at Sundance have you attended, including this year? Yeah, this was my fourth and it was definitely the most films. I saw 19 films. And um, it's over two weekends in a full week. And it's a lot. I mean, it is, it's, it's uh, my husband and I always, he, he participates with me in a lot of it. And we always say it's like a love hate thing. Cause you have, it's so much, it's a lot of time in the movie theater, you know, but there's so much that uh, there's, you have these moments of greatness and excitement. And then you have a little bit of the schlog of just going from line to line and dealing with all of it that sometimes by the time you're done, you're just so glad to just see like a movie at the sugar house cinema <laughs> <laughs> and not deal with 
the Sundance stuff, you know, right, I, I know that's, right. I, and I don't mean to sound like ungrateful, ungrateful that I get to do it. I, you know, but there, there's some truth to that. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and obviously there's a lot of people that, that at least go, they want to go participate, not necessarily in the movies, but right. in the celebrity watching, just being in that atmosphere. I, I remember just being in college, like, just going up to Park every, City. everybody just yeah. wants to go up to Park City and see who you who can you see you know and it's not necessarily for the film so I mean it's 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 definitely a busy atmosphere and if you're just there to see movies I'm sure a lot of the other ancillary things can kind of seem just annoying and frustrating <laughs> well so here's the thing this is why I'm going to convince you and again I'm sorry for all the non-Utah listeners but it's still good for you if you ever come to Sundance a few years back, they branched up down into Salt Lake City. I right, get the Salt Lake right. City all access pass, and I said I saw most of my stuff at the Salt Lake Community College, and so I'm not dealing with. I mean, and to your point, it is that that crowd is just there to see the movies. That's it, and we still get because they're considered the non press screenings, um, and a lot of the stars want to come down and do Q and As with what they call general audience. And so you still get a lot of really good Q and As and people that come down from Park City for that. No, yeah, that's fascinating. That's I, yeah. I, I think that's that's really cool. Just because it, you know, at least from their their perspective, the actors' perspective, it, it just seems like they kind of want that more filtered um, audience. You know, for people right. that are there to to see their their film and not necessarily there to see them. If that makes sense. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I do have some questions, and I am mm-hmm. I'm curious to know if you were able to come up with an answer with these. Okay. Um, but do you have a one of your favorite or best memories of participating in the Sundance Film Festival? Well, because I, yeah, you know, I, because I love film, it's going to be rooted in that. Um, so by far the most memorable moment for me was at the Salt Lake City Library watching Manchester by the Sea for the first time um, and be like just being blown away and having it stay as my, one of my top three films for the year, for the entire year, mm-hmm. and then having it win an Oscar. <laughs> you know, I, I, it sounds cheesy, but you just almost a little bit feel like you're a part of it when you get <laughs> to see something like that so early and right. then watch it sort of progress. Um, that, that to me, um, that, mo- I, I, that movie, I mean, for any, have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's I mean, it's I've never seen it again. and I kind of don't ever want to. But like that first watch is a lot. Right. Um, but it, it, and it's so powerful. But um, anyway, that's very memorable for me. No, that's really interesting. So you said that was that was shown at the Salt Lake City Library. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it was so this would have been I'm thinking now this would have been 15. Right. And then it won the Oscar in 16. In 16. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's a whole year and a month later before that, you know, well, before Casey Affleck is accepting, you know, the award for that, but before it's getting all of the attention. So it's kind of interesting to be a part of it for that long, you know, and and have it, um, you know, just have it take off from there. Okay, so do you have kind of a crazy or weird experience to share regarding Sundance so Film Festival. boring. <laughs> I really just go for the movies. Um, I mean, uh, not really. Uh, it's just a lot of standing in line. And 
I mean, you do. It is really interesting just to stand in the lines and hear people talk about all the films they've seen and such a different variety of takes. And you have people who clearly watch a lot of films and people who literally probably never see anything but the movies they see at Sundance. Right. You know, so you just get this really interesting um, experience of um, overhearing people and eavesdropping. <laughs> Um, and engaging with people, that's probably, I mean, that's it. Cause I, I we're, we're really lame. We go no, for the that, movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. <laughs> I, I, one of the things that I, <laughs> even though I'm not even originally from Utah, it, it's kind of the thing that you take pride in knowing that there's such a, a, a prestigious film festival you know, in Utah, you would think of all places, it's in Utah, right? <laughs> it is. It really is amazing. Okay, so I will. This this is the first year I ever went to Park City. I actually ended up having a couple of days off work, so I went up, um, and it was the, so it's the first time I ever experienced that. And since I had a pass, I didn't realize that there's these things that I could get into. But I was waitlisting because I wanted to see Ava DuVernay, director of Wrinkle in Time, coming out this weekend to a theater near you. Um, I wanted to see her speak. And I was waitlisted for it. And I didn't get in. I waited for like two and a half hours. So I left. And I was really upset. Because <laughs> I basically had gone all the way up to Park City just for that. Oh, no. And I just, and I just was walking on Main Street. And I just rolled into this lounge. It was like the Stella Etoile Lounge. And I walk in. And they hand me free beer. And then I'm standing there. And the stars of Juliet Naked. So it's um, Rose, uh, Rose Byrne. And then, oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. It's the bridesmaids guy. Um, it's the guy in Calvary. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we have to look it up. I'm, I'm already on it. I'm already on it. <laughs> um, he's, I, he's so Irish. He always has an Irish accent. Um, um you, you're going to know as soon as I say it. Okay. We have I'm to edit it. this out. Everyone's <laughs> no way. No, people are yelling right now. It's an O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell. No, Oh no. Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell was it in Bridesmaids, was he? I think so. Hold an on. Irish it... accent? <laughs> he doesn't have an Irish accent. What kind of accent does he what? have? What? Chris, Chris, Chris O'Donnell is from the U.S. Oh, uh, that's... Oh, Chris, Chris, o, Chris O'Dowd? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. No, Chris... <laughs> Chris O'Donnell's Robin. Okay, from the... <laughs> we gotta we gotta edit this out. This is embarrassing. That's funny. That's really funny. Okay. Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. You were thinking of the other Chris, the one from the old Batman. That guy. No, not him. That's really funny. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep Chris going. Chris O'Dowd walk like walk right past me, and then they have this Q and A, and I've got my beer, and I'm standing right by the stage, and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Like I've been kind of snotty about not wanting to be in Park City, but it really is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that was that was actually like my closest to probably what the people come from out of town to experience. Right. Right. But, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess one of the things and my, my wife pointed this out to me. So I guess like a week or so ago, the Kardashians were skiing in Utah. And so like yeah. every, everybody was like trying to figure out where in Utah are they? Where are they skiing? Which resort? And I think it yeah. turned out to be like Deer Valley or whatever, which makes yeah. sense because Deer Valley is like the most expensive ski resort. But uh, um, no, it's just I don't know. It's just it's just funny. Like you never think Utah is like a destination, you know. But yeah. uh, but I, I think that just goes to show how great this place is. Right. That's right. I don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you said you saw 19 films this year. Yes. So let's, I guess, let's talk about the ones that stood out to you and the ones that you definitely want the listeners 
to be aware of in case, you know, they have the chance to go see these? Sure. My pleasure. Okay. So, um, I will start with a film called Hearts Beat Loud. This is such a nice, you know, it definitely has that independent feel, but it's really light. It's about a, a father and his daughter um, who essentially um, end up kind of forming a band together at a time when she's just about to go off to college. Um, so there's just this, like, it has this tremendous heart, and he's kind of going through um, a lot of um things in his own life and, and, um, dealing with some things himself. And, um, it's, it's just lovely. Um, and so you've got Nick Offerman in the lead, which, you know, he's obviously been in a lot of things, but mm-hmm. it was, I don't, you know, this is really kind of the first time where he carried the full film that I, that I recall. And he was amazing. And, um, and then you have, um, his daughters played by Kiersey Clemens, who probably people would know her best if, if this is a, a crowd that listens or that watches independent film there was that movie dope a couple of years back um that she was in but mm-hmm. she's a little lesser known but she's re- she does a great job and you also have ted danson and totally uh, tony collette um but it was you know sundance is interesting my husband and i will always talk about the fact that we always end up kind of leaving it usually a little bit in a different headspace because you see a lot of heavy stuff right, and this certainly right. has that but it also has this lightness to it and really great music and um you just leave feeling good you know so any i i would recommend this to anyone when you see it come to the theater sony pictures has picked it up i think it'll get a wide release so you know um something interesting just from a trend standpoint that i'll share from the last couple of years is netflix and amazon were really predominant at sundance this year was that wasn't the case you know they definitely did some acquisitions but it wasn't like prior years where they picked up everything you had a lot of different studios like sony and orchard in there and neon who are going to give regular distribution to these films which i don't know where you fall on the whole netflix versus you know theater distribution argument um, I, so far I am neutral. I, okay. I, I, I see both sides and I think there are, you know, there's definitely positives to it. Um, mm-hmm. but I also understand the argument against it. I, am so, yeah, I haven't quite made my mind up about it yet. Well, that's fair. Well, so, but anyway, this was interesting this year because I didn't know if we were dealing with a year where Amazon was just going to write a huge check for everything, you know, like right. or, or Netflix. I mean, and there's a reality where that could be true at some point in the future, um, especially with these smaller films, you know? Right. Um, and, and so I'm torn on it too, because here's the one thing I'll say is, you know, you, you give it a wide release, then it has the potential of not doing well and then nobody sees it. And then it gets dropped to Netflix later. I mean, I guess people still catch it. That's at least the good news, right? You know, right. where I feel like, or as the year goes on and some of the small films start getting more critic response, then people have the opportunity to see them. Right. And so that's what I like about it. Um, but it's kind of a mixed bag. It's definitely a mixed bag if you're looking at awards season. So like Mudbound is a really good example of that from this last year. It was uh, a Sundance film that Netflix acquired. It got like literally like a one weekend theater release only in New York and L.A. And then it went to Netflix. And I really do think that film could have performed differently. Um, in, had, um, had Yeah, had it actually yeah. gone to theaters nationwide. Yeah. Right. But it did get that cinematographer nomination for Rachel Morrison. And she also did Black Panther. So I think she's going for an Oscar this year with that Black Panther cinematography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so that um, so that's Hearts Beat Loud. Yep, that's number five. Okay. So next would be a movie called Puzzle, and um, this is um, starring Kelly McDonald, um, and it's a very it's just simple movie about um, a housewife who uh, learns that she's really really good at puzzles and goes into competitive puzzling. It sounds like a very small story, and it really kind of is, oh, but it's just fascinating. done. <laughs> yeah, it's done very beautifully, and it's you know obviously more about her finding herself. You know, you can you you know where it's going, but yeah. um, it has I think my favorite kind of opening scene and ending scene of anything I saw at Sundance. Um, and so I, I definitely suggest watching for this one. This was also picked up by Sony. So I think it should get a theatrical release at some point this year, but there isn't a release date yet. No, that's so, that is, that is so funny. I don't think, I, I, I can't be the only one that has never heard of competitive puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a real thing. I mean, there's competitive everything. Like if you really want to get into it, I'm sure you could find people, right? They're, they're out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's really good. It's um, it just has just the right. It's the right kind of mix of independent, I think. Um, and then the next one, number three, would be the Miseducation of of Cameron Post. This ended up winning the Dramatic Prize. Um, so something that's kind of new this year with the festival is the dramatic competition prize are the ones that actually compete to be rewarded. And you know, what's fascinating is call me by your name was in that category and didn't win last year. Oh, and interesting. it got a Best picture nomination. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so the awards of the f- festival actually kind of don't carry a lot of weight because things haven't always performed kind of to be reflective of that, but it's still uh, obviously a nice recognition. And, um, this is a, a film about, um, a, a girl in her in high school she's probably 17 18 um and it's essentially that she gets sent off to gay conversion therapy and it's this process of um kind of evaluating what that means and what that looks like and then you know kind of her figuring out who she is through that it's chloe grace moretz which mm-hmm. most people should know and then sasha lane who was in american honey um which was a really big independent film last year i don't know if you caught that but um Anyway, this one is really, really good, and I think it's it it will get a wide release, and I think it will be definitely on critics' lists this year. It's it's a really good movie. Um, then number two is actually coming. So I just talked about three movies that I told you I don't know when they're coming out, but I promise you, watch for them. You'll be glad. The other one is coming out, I think, in like the next week or two at a wide release, and it's called You Were Never Really Here, and it's from Lynn Ramsey, who did We Need to Talk About Kevin, which some people might know, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> um, that was me. Sorry. Um, and um, it's starring Joaquin Phoenix and just this really intense sort of um, Avenger role. It's very violent. It's scored by Johnny Greenwood, who did Phantom Thread score this last oh, nice. year. Yeah. Has done almost all, of, I think, all, if not all, of Paul Thomas Anderson's films. And this is his first non paul thomas anderson film i think from a score standpoint and you can feel the score um but it's crazy because it's lynn ramsey and you meet like you see this woman on stage and she's just like this small european i think she's scottish you would never think and this movie is brutal and violent but in good way like in the right ways and um joaquin does some i mean i think he's fantastic i think he could be um in conversation this year for this film um for sure so that's coming soon very good. Very good. Yeah. And I, I'm, you know, just, 
just with my my own experience with watching Joaquin Phoenix and in his movies, he he is he's a highly intriguing individual. You know, obviously, you know, <laughs> there, there was that time, uh, what was it? I don't know, six or seven, eight years ago where he, you know, was kind of, kind of off the grid doing some rap yeah. stuff, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. just some interesting yeah. stuff. But I, I, I think he is a very, very talented actor and I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in, in a new film. Yeah. Now this is definitely a rough watch. I I want to be clear. I mean it's really violent, but but if you you know um, are into sort of that sort of angel avenger, um, almost like antihero yeah. kind of thing, uh-huh. then this you will love um, for sure. Um, and then my number one is a smaller film, and this was probably like my most frustrating moment of the entire festival because I saw it at eight o'clock in the morning and I had to drive up to park city <laughs> and it was the new theater that they built. Um, and I didn't realize I had no concessions cause I was sure I would be able to get a cup of coffee. Right. Oh no. Oh, like shoot. not even, you couldn't even, I think you could buy water to bring in and that was it. And I just remember being like, Oh crap. <laughs> But um, did you stay I, awake? You stayed awake. I through did. The movie? I mean, it's Very my favorite good. movie of nineteen that I saw. So it's um, called We the Animals. It's a really um, small film from a pretty new director. He adapted it from a book. Um, the best thing that I can say, and this is all I'll say, and I'll leave it to everybody else to kind of discover this, is that this is a mix of, um, I would say, Moonlight kind of meets, um, what else? I mean. Tree of Life meets. Oh, interesting. Uh, wow. If anyone saw that montage of Heck, uh, which is about Kurt Cobain, the, um, anyway, it's it, it, anyway, it's the story of this young boy discovering himself. They use animation um, that kind of adds this whimsical effect. But then the stuff that's happening is very intense and um, really, you know, hard themes like Moonlight, where you're watching something that's kind of lovely, but at the same time challenging. Right. Um, that's definitely what this is. But I really feel like critics are going to love it. I I just think it's going to get some legs and it might make it into some, at least some of the independent spirit award conversation and all of that this year for sure. So Orchard p- picked it up. So um, I don't think it'll go straight to streaming, probably should get a theatrical release, but we'll see. Well, very good. So uh, out of these five, you said We the Animals was your favorite, right? Number Yes. Now I'm I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna have these listed in just like the show notes, and I'll do some posts on social media and things like that to make sure that your top five, um, yeah, are gonna be you know available to the listeners. Um, and it, I, so in, in the five that you saw, um, are are these you said you said that I, I think you said that three of these are are most likely gonna get theatrical releases. I, think I would say. Yeah, I would definitely say the two Sony films probably yeah. will. So the Hearts Beat Loud and Puzzle, I think. Puzzle, though, also feels like a movie that could they could sell to streaming. You know, they could sell it to Netflix and it could just go streaming. Because there are really great movies that don't get theatrical releases. We all know that. You know, they end up on people's top ten lists and we're like, wait, what's this movie? You know? Right. Um, so I, I can see Puzzle kind of being quieter like that. Um, you Were Never Really Here is definitely getting theatrical. I think We the Animals will just because of the critical potential um and yeah i i I mean hopefully all of them i mean they all at least have a distributor 
So that means they'll get put out this year in some some way, shape, or form. Well, very good. So, so the nineteen films that you saw, um, I guess, rate your your film festival experience um, one out of ten. So, and you have, I, so you said this was your fourth year. So I guess you have some others year. to I've to. had years where I felt like that I had more films that I loved. So I would say this probably falls, I mean, in the four years I've gone, this was probably like my second favorite experience and I'd probably give it like a seven or an eight. Nice. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, is there anything else that, um, you would let our listeners know. Okay, how about this? If yeah. if there was one thing that you would you would tell people, or or maybe a um one one um, word of advice that you would give them if they've never attended a Sundance Film Festival and they mm-hmm. want to, what would you tell them? So I would say come with some time and a little bit of an open mind because what happens is is the first weekend things start premiering and then there starts to be buzz and then you start wanting to change and go see different things than you thought you were going to see and you'll have a better experience if you're kind of open to that and willing to wait list because then you'll be able to kind of jump over and see the movies that are probably going to get a little more traction coming out of Sundance. If you go with a set agenda, you might find yourself with FOMO, like going, why am I not seeing that? You know, so if you can do a pass, it gives you some flexibility. Right. I would definitely recommend that. And then secondly, I will tell anyone who's coming just for the movies, I would spend a lot of time in Salt Lake. I mean, go experience the Park City thing. But I'm telling you, people don't get into movies all the time up there. You come and wait list down in Salt Lake City, you'll get into anything you want to see. Oh, that is great. That I think that is a great piece of advice um, just because, yeah, I, I don't think probably many people would know you could go to Salt Lake City Community College or the Salt Lake City Library and then you'll get to go see a movie. <laughs> yeah, like a movie no one's seen. It's crazy. <laughs> well, Deanne, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Like I said, I like meeting um, like a lo- – we've got to get this local community going, find like the rest of the Utah cinephiles. Um, I'm into that for sure. So I, I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of these days we'll definitely, um, ha- have a chance to meet up. I have no doubt about yeah. that. Um, but yeah. thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate you giving your time and, uh, and being patient because I know this has been, like you said, the film festival has been over for almost two months now. And so, <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> you know, I, I wanted fun. to have you on, I wanted to have you on a long time ago and just, uh, um, just, just how things just kind of played out. It just wasn't possible until now but uh you know better late than never um so so dm won't you let um all the listeners know if they'd like to reach out to you um if they'd like to say hi or follow you on social media or listen to your podcast how they can do that yeah, so um, I am one of the members of the Next Best Picture podcast. We um, Matt Niglia runs the site. I have to say, as far as award sites go, I am really proud of what he does in terms of content. Every, I mean, we've got a team that reviews almost every film, um, a lot, of, you know, from an award circuit standpoint in terms of regular updates. Um, it's a really great place. I do more, I do write, do some written reviews for the site, um, but most of my involvement is from a podcast standpoint. 
which we do at least one weekly podcast review, which is a shorter episode. And then um, usually every Sunday or Monday, we push our regular podcast, which really does have um, a point of view that is um, rooted in the awards race itself. And so this is a little bit of our down season to some degree, but we are literally already putting out lists of who we think could potentially be nominated for awards based on movies <laughs> we know are coming out this year. So we end from Sundance. So we right. start this. We start the conversation really early, and so for people who have a hunger for that, it's a very specific and focused point of view for sure. And then the reviews are a lot more casual. Um, and so I and I, I definitely engage on Twitter. My handle, get ready for it, is at TweedleDD33. Um, so Tweedle, you know how to spell that, D E E D E E 33. And then obviously you can search for me by my name and find me because there's not a lot of key. Is Aze's either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm happy you just pronounced your last name again because I probably would have forgotten. <laughs> uh, but uh, listeners, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for downloading today's episode, and please go give go give Deanna a follow. She is she is one of the most level headed, well versed. Um, film Twitter follows that you can you can reach out to because um, you you already know Deanne. There's there's a lot of passionate people out there that uh, are more prone to getting in in arguments and they are discussions about film. Right, exactly. <laughs> but that's you, not me. I mean, I certainly have my moments, but they're usually rooted in being overly passionate about something. And sometimes that's <laughs> sometimes that's okay. You like you want people who care about film, or yeah. why would they talk about it? But let's. Let's keep it in perspective. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. But yeah, definitely, <laughs> listeners, go give her a follow. And again, thank you so much for listening today to, to today's episode. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast. Never leave a lady.